Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. It is time once again for us to have one of those conversations about coming out of those closets of your life. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, and here on the Life Uncloseted podcast, we're always sharing these beautiful stories about people who are in transitions and finding their way to be more authentically themselves. And if you've listened to us for a while, you know it's about no excuses, no fears, and no apologies for stepping into living your most powerful self. And today I have a guest that I've gotten to know over the past few months who's in another coaching program that I get to coach, and we connected the first time we got together, and I just, I was so fascinated by the work that she does to really help heal some of these soul wounds that we have and to step into these powerful spaces of really understanding our emotional pain and working through it and becoming more self-aware. And as an LGBTQ individual, I know for me, had I not started to understand all that work and go deep into my trauma around being gay and walking through this, I don't think I would be sitting here on this microphone not that I'm actually sitting on the microphone, but you know what I mean, sitting here working with you and talking to you about these beautiful things. And I just have to say that Deneen Joyner is somebody I'm so glad she's doing the work in the world she's doing. She has an amazing book coming out, Soul Wounds and Sacred Revelations, A Warrior Daughter's Awakening to Pain and Destiny. And I just feel like the conversation you're about to walk into is going to help you no matter what your closet is or where you're coming from. So Deneen, I am so excited to have you here and to be having this conversation with you today. Hello, Rick, my dear. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, we're, we're all getting through right now, you know, so, um, but I am so excited about your book coming out and what you're bringing into the world. And I can't wait to really dive into this because you've done some really deep work and you realized this is what we have to do. We really have to do this to get to those new spaces in life. So why don't you give us a little bit of backstory about, you know, where this came from? I know you didn't just pop out of your mama's womb and go, I'm here. <laughs> I'm going to do this. <laughs> no, I wish it was that easy. Wouldn't it well, be yeah, like, don't we all wish it was? Right? I would just know? pass the wand and say, here, you're yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's your exactly. turn. But no, you're exactly right. It it literally took a lifetime and then some for me to really just dive deep into this spiritual journey that happened to me back in 2011. Mm -hmm. So let me let your your family know that you know, you can start this journey at any juncture in your life. There Absolutely. isn't a magic number. Mm -hmm. So I hear all the time from people who say it's too late. I'm too old, you know, or when the kids get out the house, I can start doing X, Y, and Z. None of that is true. Mm -hmm. I was 47, believe it or not, when the, the bottom fell out of my life, literally. Mm. And my background is in social work. And so you would think that having a 
background in social work for over 18 years that I would have had all the answers for my life. But that was further from the truth. Mm. What I found out was that I was too close at the time to all of my junk and all of my drama and all of my wounds to be able to help myself. I could help anybody else. Yep. But I could not figure out how to help Denise. Mm-hmm. And I thought that possibly I would get a pass, meaning maybe that if I didn't address certain things, that I wouldn't have to really face them. And I think most people are like that. You know, the things that are really troubling yep. are the things that you think you can get a pass to that you really don't have to look at. Mm-mm. It's so interesting how we all do that. It's like, as long as I don't look at it and don't (laughs) see it, it isn't there. That's right. That's right. But it's really tapping you on the shoulder. It's like, hello. Honey, it's not tapping (laughs) you on the shoulder. It's kicking you in the ass. It's like thumping you in the head, really. (laughs) And it's so funny because I always tell my clients that, you know, you remember this scene. Everybody knows this scene in The Wizard of Oz. When, when the house falls on the witch, yep. <laughs> that's yep. kind of like what happens, right? Mm-hmm. When we think we can have this pass and then all of a sudden the house comes falling on you. Yep. And yep. you're like, oh, okay, I guess I do have to address it. Right. And so what happens is generally people don't know what to do first mm-hmm. or next. Yep. And I was actually in that category for sure. Mm-hmm. So I have to say that before I uncovered the steps to getting my life back on track and and finally facing some really painful events that occurred for me throughout my childhood and adulthood that I had to give up what I thought my life was supposed to look like. This is so critical that that is so critical that giving up. And and I think it's important to mean that we like, just make sure everybody realizes it's not giving up in a bad way. No. It's it's really like releasing. Yes. It's, it's it's that release of like, okay, this is no longer serving me. This is no longer working. I don't care what my little ego is telling me. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's true. time to quit listening to the ego and let the heart and the soul take, take over for a little bit. You're exactly right. And so surrendering is what I had to succumb to, if you will. I had to realize that Deneen did not have all of the answers to her life, clearly, which basically, you know, led me to that, that I call it come to Jesus moment where you're literally on your knees and you're trying to figure out what should I do? I know this is not the life that I'm meant to live. And so there comes a time when you have to figure out Okay, so what is the next step? And the next step is what we just said. You have to surrender and and realize that there is a power greater than you that already knows who you are, even if you don't. And it's so deep in there. That's the thing that's so interesting. I mean, I've talked about this numerous times on stage and on this podcast that for all those years after I did come out at the age of 19 and then I went back in the closet it wasn't gone. It was always there. It was there from the moment I landed on this beautiful little planet, Mm -hmm. but it had to have time for me to catch up with it and go, Mm -hmm. okay, yep. 
it's time. It's truly time. And I think that's a key piece to this that many of us tend to forget that sometimes we're just catching up to where we're meant to be. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful way to put it because that's how I felt for sure. Mm -hmm. I, I knew who I was when I was five. And, and I know that that's the case for most, you know, for most of us as children, you know, we, we are in touch with our truest essence. And what happens, unfortunately, is because we're surrounded by people, mainly our parents and family, who've been here for a while, they start to impose their fears upon our souls and our spirit. And so we lose sight of the essence of who we are based on the fears of other people. And so for me, when I was five, I started to become in touch with a lot of different gifts that, I've, that I have. And those gifts were surrounding first being an empath, meaning I had the deep ability and connection to other people's feelings, mainly their emotional pain. And so at the age of five, I started to connect to other people's spirits and their soul around their emotional feelings. And it was troubling to me because I knew that they weren't my feelings. And I didn't understand how I could do this. And I also had the wisdom to know that I should not be discussing this with other people because of their fear system that I could see already. Right. Just in the other avenues. So I knew that I could not go to anybody per se and say, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling certain things when I'm around people and I don't really know how I'm able to do this. And quite frankly, Rick, I really couldn't have articulated even what I just said right? because I was only five. Yep. I just knew that I had these abilities and I didn't understand them. Mm -hmm. And then they started to morph into other abilities, other gifts, psychic abilities and having the ability to be clairvoyant. So I knew a lot of things that were going to happen before they happened. And, um, and, and just had the wisdom to know that, you know, certain things needed to be in place to avoid them mm. or to, or to actually, you know, frame them a little bit better. So all of this, like I said, was when I was little and, and I started to talk about these things openly with certain people and that's where the fear started to come into play. I realized that the more that I spoke about certain things and particular events that either hadn't happened or did happen for a person and they didn't, they didn't even share it with anybody. But here comes this little girl basically spilling tea about, you know, oh, well, you know, isn't your husband sick or isn't? And they're looking at me like, how does she know this? You know, and I started to see the fear in their face and then the fear in my sisters or my mom or whoever I was around, right. basically, you know, giving me that pinch, like, don't say that, you know, okay. don't talk about that. So that filter that, you know, that I, that I didn't have soon became a filter. Yep. And I realized that it was not popular for me to talk about these things. But it's so interesting that you say that because whether you're coming out of the closet around your sexuality or you're coming out of the closet about your intuitive gifts or you're coming out of the closet to say, I don't want to be in this job anymore. It doesn't serve me well, even though in 
everybody else looks at you and goes, oh, you're making six figures in the corner office and you travel the world. Somebody is going to overlay their fear onto what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. And if I think for so many of us, when we can recognize and identify that what somebody else is saying about what we are attempting to do, it's coming from their own space of fear, either from their fear of there may be some genuine trying, hey, I want to protect you. But most of the time, it's a fear of kind of a jealousy fear, like, <laughs> yes. I didn't get to do that, so you shouldn't be able to do that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why you shouldn't be able to do that because I'm protecting myself from feeling bad that I didn't take a risk like this. Yes. And I didn't go live my life fully. And it's yes. very interesting to see this happen over and over again. And I know you're seeing it too. Oh, for sure. You know, I think that your listeners should definitely understand that speaking your truth is going to be unpopular, but it doesn't mean that you don't do it. It doesn't mean that you don't live it because you're exactly right. Most of the people that you are going to be sharing your truth with, with are those people who wish that they had done the same. And it's, it's, I, I don't really want to use this word sad, but it's a little bit painful. Let's, I think painful is a better way to put it. It's painful that so many of us on this planet, and I'm throwing myself back in that space because there's still days that I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's so painful that we don't see a path or believe in a path that says, okay, I can go do that. And if it doesn't work out, oh, well, but I went and did it. And that's a, that's a huge piece of this moving forward and, you know, stepping into that beautiful space that you talk about around, you know, seeing those wounds in your soul. And then, you know, I'm going to use your book title and discovering our own sacred revelations about where we're meant to be. Yes. It's so powerful. Sure. It is powerful when you can do that. And, you know, I speak clearly about that in my journey and, and what I uncovered in being able to go back in time, I wanted to know where did this fear come from? I was dealing with an identity crisis on a number of different levels. I was dealing with being um, a black Indian woman at a time that was not popular, um, which was in the seventies, the early seventies. Well, girl, it's not popular even now. So <laughs> I know I was about to say that. And as far as, you know, being tied to two distinct races who never was accepted, you know, being Native American and also being West African and Nigerian. So you're talking about, you know, slaves um, and enslaved people on both um, fronts. And, and so my mother is Native American. My father is, is um, Nigerian, which makes me a Black Indian. That's how I self-identify. Mm -hmm. And at home, you know, we were primarily raised by my mother. And so her traditions, her culture of being Native American was, uh, was our go-to. Mm -hmm. However, when we left to go into the world, to go to school, to go to college, to be around friends, yep. most of those things kind of just was dumbed down, numbed, and 
it was something that we really didn't speak about, to be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. So I grew up thinking that we were ashamed of who we were because we didn't celebrate this in in public. It was something that, again, was fear-based, mainly coming from my mother and her, you know, her own um, understanding and her own um, occurrences as she was growing up and not being accepted. And so a lot of her fears and in, in, in those things that she encountered were translated onto us, even though they had never happened for us. So this can happen to anyone as far as just having these fears that are not your own. So again, when we talk about sharing whatever it is that you're coming out of the closet with, you know, with whoever, you know, be conscious and aware that, you know, the fears could really just be passed down to this person. It might not really truly be their their fear per se. And it's really interesting, you know, how this works on, you know, generation to generation. There's so many things that are passed down to us unknowingly. And this is one of the things that was passed down to me was just the fear of saying who you are racially, just being mm-hmm. honest and saying I'm a black Indian woman, you know? Um, my mother, like I said, she felt she was, you know, very fearful that that people would mistreat me because of that. And, you know, they mistreated me regardless, you know, but, you know, that was, that was her fear for sure. Yeah. And it's interesting as you're explaining this, that I'm hoping some of the listeners will start to feel into where they haven't felt like they could be themselves or where they feel like they've had to hold back sharing. And as you were talking about that, it was something that I had talked about, you know, a little bit, but not in a public realm. And then one time, and a few people who have listened to this, you know, cause I only have like two listeners on this podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> I know there's a whole lot of you guys. But you may have heard me talk about this story when I was speaking in front of a group of college students. And then suddenly, just in the midst of that particular talk, I finally said, and it really bothers me when people assume because someone has been sexually abused that that's what makes them gay. When for me, I was sexually awakened. I didn't see it as abuse. I don't agree that it should have happened by any stretch of the imagination. But when it happened for me, it validated who I was. But I was shamed into believing we don't talk about this. When so much of what needs to happen in this day and age is we need to talk about these things so that you show up fully. And quite honestly, I don't care if anyone knows I was sexually awakened at a very young age. Mm -hmm. Because the message to me is this shouldn't happen. But there's also a message of it sometimes defines and validates who you are. Sure. Yes. Each of us has these moments and it doesn't have to be as quote, quote unquote, extreme as sexual abuse. But if you are shamed into, oh, I can't, I can't really do this because my family says I really shouldn't speak about things, whether it's being from a poor environment or practicing a certain practice in your household or even oh no we're not supposed to be loud we're just supposed to be quiet that carries forward and then suddenly you're someone in your life and there's nothing wrong with someone who's quiet 
But if you're wanting to be more outspoken or be heard or be seen, suddenly you're that person sitting there going, I never feel seen and heard. Mm-hmm. Well, is it surprising? You're, you're, you know, and I don't want to say it's mom and dad's fault, but it's, it's our own upbringing in our own worlds that often push us into these spaces. And then we wonder why our souls are so wounded. Which is why I named my book Soul Wounds and Sacred Revelations. And you just beautifully summed that up for sure. You decided to take something that, you know, would have been looked upon and is looked upon as a negative, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, you know, and you, instead of calling it, you know, a trauma or a rape or whatever mm-hmm. society wants to deem it, you chose to call it being sexually awakened. Right. And that takes on a whole different feeling when you call mm-hmm. it that. You know, because of what you just described, you didn't feel like anybody took anything away from you. In fact, they added to your knowing of who you are. And I still, I still don't agree that it should have happened. I don't, you know, I, there is no, I will never say, oh yeah, everybody should do that because I am probably one of the biggest opponents to pedophilia and all that stuff. Yes. However, these things come into our lives when. I believe this is my perspective, folks. I don't know that I've ever really spoke this way on this podcast, but these things come into our lives when our soul is ready mm-hmm. to face them. Yes. When our journey is meant to encounter these things. And whether you believe it's God, the universe, a higher power, whatever it is, these things are presented to us because these are what make us stronger people. These are what make us realize we are very human. <laughs> And we are having a human experience here. And the more I believe, the more we embrace these moments. And again, folks, I'm not saying I'm perfect at this. I, I'll probably get off this podcast and something will happen. I'm like, okay, I'm <laughs> really not human today. This is complete bullshit. But it's, it's such an interesting space when we can step into the awareness, as you yeah. talk about, Deneen, of yes. this is what's happening. And now how do I choose to be with it? Yes. And how do we respect that emotional pain? What happened to me was very painful in many ways. Yes. But the pain that I experienced was more from the perspective of, we don't talk about this. Mm -hmm. You keep this a secret. Even though it was talked about in the right ways for that moment, it, it caused me to adopt a secret life. Yes. And then when I did come out at, a, at 19, the same message was sent. We don't mm-hmm. talk about this. This is not who you're meant to be. We don't want anybody to know about this. And again, I'm not going to blame all of that pressure completely. But is it any surprise then with that kind of muscle work, <laughs> so mm-hmm. to speak, in my own mind? Yes that I became a serial cheater throughout my entire married life. Right. Because this is what I've been taught. We keep this a secret. Yes. Yes. And again, I'm not blaming, I I don't blame my family for that. It's just a piece of the puzzle. That's all. That's all it is. That's all. Yeah, I used to, oh God, I used to like blob that bomb at them constantly. Sure. Until I realized this is a huge freaking wound I got to deal with. Yes. Yes. And if I it's don't even, deal with it, then I will continue to be in pain. For sure. For sure. And just unpacking that, 
you know, you, you could have stopped and most people will stop at their, their family, mm-hmm. which I call your teachers. Yes. And so your teachers, your, your parents, your primary caretakers are the people who show you these things unconsciously mm-hmm. and consciously. And so the message was, we don't talk about those things. And so because of that, you felt like you could not be free mm-hmm. and you had to hide and you had to be secretive. And so that translated, as you just mentioned, throughout your life yep. until you had to decide that that was not the way that you wanted to live anymore. Mm-hmm. And so if we're able to look beyond even just the blame and the shame of our family, because it came from somewhere, yes, it didn't it just start with your parents. Mm-hmm. No. You know, I have my clients actually look back. They have to go back several generations to kind of pull this string forward to see how did yes. this happen. And I bet if you did the same thing, you would encounter where this, we don't talk about it, happened. It happened some generations before you. And it basically was bought forward to you, you know. And so now, though, now that you know better, I'm almost sure that your children will not be living the same way that you live because you are allowing them to be free and express who they are. And so it only takes, yes, it only takes one person to have that realization that it stops with me. Right. It does. And I love, I, I've always been an advocate of it stops with me. Yes. So much of my life, it's, I've said it stops with me and, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. That maybe what I about. think needs to stop with me may be the wrong thing that needs to stop with me. But I also, I also feel like our generations, cause Danine and I are pretty close in age here that our generations were handed this do as I say mentality. Yes, for sure. And I determined early on, and my kids were very young when I came out. My oldest was five and a half. My youngest was nine months old. And it caused pain for me in so many ways, but it also helped me vow to, I want those girls to know you get to choose. Mm -hmm. You get to choose so much of your life. That's why I never brought them up in any kind of a faith-based space. I talked about a higher power. I talked about God, but I'm like, I want you to choose because I was forced yes. into this. Yes. And I want you to figure it out and I want you to choose. And we're having some very interesting conversations these days around this because they're like, we never had this. And, and the most funny thing that happened recently was my oldest daughter about a year and a half ago went to see Jesus Christ Superstar. And she <laughs> texted me afterward and she goes, I really didn't get it because you never taught me anything about the Bible. I'm like, girl. <laughs> Do not lay that one on me, okay? <laughs> yes, I didn't. But if you didn't get Jesus Christ Superstore, it really doesn't have anything to do with me. Just That's enjoy right. the show and, That's right. and all that. But um, I'm like, oh, but you sure you sure understood Wicked? I mean, That's hello, funny. I never I never read you That's the right. Wizard of Oz either. That's so, right. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but it is a, it is such a fascinating space. So I'm curious from your perspective and the work you do. Why do you think we all settle so much for just living in emotional pain? I think to be perfectly honest, we're, we're stuck on satisfying other people. We truly are. And, and because we really have not seen a blueprint per se of what it's supposed to look like to just authentically be yourself and, you know, and to, to be your highest self, we really don't know how to do it. And 
on most cases, we really can't even articulate what it is that we're going after. Most people will tell you that they feel unfulfilled. They feel stuck. They feel like they're living on automatic pilot. And some will even admit that they are numb. But they will not take it a step further. They will not look into why. Well, and, and because of the numbness, most people, and again, myself included, there are times that I still go into this numb space. Because of the numbness, I can't even focus on, okay, I don't want to do this, but I can't focus on what I do want to do mm-hmm. or what I do want. Yes. Because I'm, I become so, you know, mired in the numbness. Mm-hmm. That I can't get clarity. Yes. But it's sure. when we finally start to step forward and say, okay, and I, my clients freaking hate it when I say, what do you want? <laughs> yes. What do you mean? What do I want? No, what do you want? You say you don't want to experience this, but what do you want? Yes. Well, I want happiness. Okay. But what does that look like? Yes. What does that feel like? What does your day look like when you're in happiness? Yes. What is it when you feel free? What is it when you don't feel like you have to take someone else's judgment mm-hmm. and it scares the crap out of them? It does. It because does. it's scary stuff. We're calling, you know, uh, and I think one of the beautiful things that those of us who do this personal development work with people and those mm-hmm. of us who have people do that with us too, yes. is we bring people to the new space of having to think. Yes. Like to really have to step in and think about stuff. Yes. And there is nothing, nothing simple, folks, about confronting, why do you know you're gay? There's nothing simple about why do you need to go work around that trauma? There's nothing simple about, I want to leave this job, but I'm afraid. There's nothing simple about this. I don't think Danine and I are either one going to pull out our magic wands that we don't have and say, oh, right. poof, we can make this go away. Right. Although if we did have magic wands, I can tell you they'd both be really fabulous magic wands because that's just how we roll in the world. (laughs) That's right. That's right. But it is a very interesting space to play in that Brene Brown talks so much about vulnerability. And I feel like if we as humans could just make vulnerability one of our best friends, man, we could get some shit done. Yes. I also have another question because this relates to kind of this space of like, why do we settle for emotional pain? Do you see hitting rock bottom as kind of the magic? Because I do. I do. I do. I think that's the surrender moment. That's the ground zero. Mm-hmm. If, if you still have tricks in your bag, then you're going to use them. Yep. It's when you don't have the bag. You, don't, you can't even reach for the tricks because the bag is gone. And, you know, ground zero, hitting rock bottom is it. So that's where you you literally start to take inventory of your life. Because up until then, you really felt like, okay, yeah, I'm numb, but I'm still moving forward, even though you're really not. You know, so yes, ground zero is, is where all of the magic happens. Because that's when you really start to look at your life and say, why am I putting up with this? This is not like the life that I want to live. It's not. You might not have the answers, but admitting that to yourself, acknowledging that this ain't, this ain't it mm-hmm. is the first step. Yeah. Because up until then, you're just really just BSing yourself and you're saying, 
okay, yeah, I can, I can get away with another day. Cause that's what I used to say. I used to say, okay, well, at least I got through this day. I'd be literally looking at the clock thinking, okay, I only got two hours left to this day, work day, yeah. meaning. And then I could just get in my car, you know, and go hide, go home, go hide. And then hopefully I can get through another day. Mm-hmm. That's not living. Mm-hmm. That's not living when you are, you know, committing to trying to get through another day. That's not living at all. And living with pain or whatever it is that you are faced with that you have really just turned a blind eye to that you've decided to, to numb, you know, you raised a good point a few minutes ago when you said about the numb, when you numb, you only just, you don't just numb out the bad, you numb out the good too. Yep. There is no selective numbing. Who that's, that's one of those Oprah moments right there. There is no selective numbing. <laughs> But it is, it's, it's so true because we tend to think, okay, this is all about bad. But the yes. thing is, is when we're numb, we can't see the good. You can't. I mean, I can't, I, and I suffer from depression and I know when I start to go there, I'm not going to see what's good, mm-hmm. but I also have the self-awareness of, okay, Rick, you know, this is happening. Now don't beat yourself up. Number one. Yes. Number two, give yourself lots of grace and space. Mm-hmm. And number three, talk through this with yourself and with the people you need to when, when it comes up. And it's been a while since it's really hit. But I know what I get to do, not have to do, what I get to do is be with it. Yes. And hold it and embrace it and know that each time I get to go through it, you notice folks, I said, get to go through it. I come out the other side in a much better space. For sure. And I'm not saying that's everybody's experience with depression. I, that just happens to be my experience with it. And because I've allowed more and more of that to show up for me, I notice my depressive states are much shorter. Um, I notice I talk to myself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but when I'm talking to myself a lot in those moments, it's like I'm getting some good stuff that's done. That's a good thing. That's you know? a good thing. But I love what you just said, too, about this ain't it. Because as you said that, it was so powerful because you said, this ain't it. Why are we willing to put our, you know, put up with this? And these are two really valuable questions. And I put it with something that I say to people too. So here's kind of your three question, like little nugget folks. So you might want to write this one down is number one, it's not a question. It's the statement. Be willing to say to yourself and hear yourself say, this ain't it. Own that piece. And then follow it up with what Deneen said about why am I willing to put up with this? Answer that question. And then ask yourself, what am I willing to give myself permission to do? I think if you could start with that little three sequence, you might see that you start to move mountains in a really, really beautiful and powerful way. So we're going to let you know that this podcast is going to go on for the next eight hours. (laughs) We could. I, we could. I know Deneen and I could do this. We could be Oprah and Deepak really quickly. We could just here. do a marathon. We, we could might do have a marathon. But I love that we've gotten here and we've shared and I love what you're doing. So tell us a little bit about what I know some big plans you got coming up for the year ahead. But um, the book is coming out, all this yes, kind of stuff. So, so let's talk actually, about everything. Yeah. So the book actually is, is available now. You can actually, all right, your cool. listeners can go get it on online. Barnes and Noble, Amazon, for awesome. sure. Kindle, 
So you yep. can you can go get that. And then also what I'm going to be doing um, August 1st, I'll be launching an online course called Soul Mapping. Mm. Soul Mapping is going to help anyone who wants to follow that thread that we talked about. Where did all of this start as far as my responses to pain and trauma? Mm -hmm. Why am I okay with settling? Mm -hmm. You're going to start mm -hmm. to look at this thread and follow it backwards to your childhood. And you're going to be able to identify your teachers. And your teachers can be a whole tribe of people, not just your parents. It could be your siblings. It could be, you know, your, your next of kin um, the people who you were around. So it's really going to start to frame for you and give you basically that understanding of how you came to be emotionally. So it identifies mm. your emotional framework. Nice. So soul mapping is the online course. And I hope that your listeners will take advantage of that. Absolutely. And then I'll be doing a number of different podcasts such as yours um, with other people in the spiritual community. And, and then also, once the world opens back up again, I look to go on tour on stage and to, to do a revival tour, which mm. we'll all need, where I'm actually going to basically open the world up to, to basically just learn about Native American-style soul healing and to use my gifts live with people to answer their questions and, and things of that nature. That's fantastic. And we'll have everything for you to connect with Deneen and to get a good dull dosage of her soul and her sacred revelations and all that sort of stuff on the podcast website. And I'm even going to tell whoever wants to send me an email at rick at rickclemens.com. Uh, the first person that sends me an email that says, I want the book, I will send you the book on my dime. So, oh. uh, get wow. that book out there in the world. So yes, thank you. Uh, you're so welcome. And so before <laughs> we wrap it up here, Deneen, what's one last little piece of wisdom you would love to impart to the listeners about really stepping through their wounds and discovering their own sacred revelations? I want them really to just connect to whatever it is inside them that's telling them that things are off and have been off for a while. I want them to find the courage to be curious about that feeling that they've been holding on to and carrying. And, and I want them to just basically give themselves permission to examine that and explore it, whatever that looks like. And mostly to be okay with finding an outside resource such as Rick or myself who can really basically just give you an objective lens to your life and to really empower you to get started to exploring whatever it is that you're been wrestling with for a while. Mm. Awesome. Thanks for being with us here and sharing yourself, Denise. I so appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about and you just might help change a life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, 
we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted and never stop stepping out, stepping up and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.